0: Welcome to the rise of the challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a collegiate athlete entrepreneur and the host of the Avengers of an entrepreneur podcast. It's Bruce Bright jr. How are you doing today, Bruce?
1: Good. I'm glad to be here. Glad we get to talk.
0: Thank you for the opportunity to learn all about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go straight to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, uh, I was Boy Scout growing up. I'm an Eagle Scout now. Uh, I've played basketball my entire life. I play basketball now at my college. Um, I mean, I played football growing up. Uh, I played baseball a little bit. Never was really into soccer. Um, it was pretty much the main things that I'm involved with, or I was involved with growing up. Uh, that, yeah.
0: Starting with Boy Scouts and Eagle Scouts, what brought you to join that opportunity?
1: Yeah, my dad. Well, my dad's an Eagle Scout. Uh, he put me in it when I was 11, uh, and I was in it until I was 18. So that was a pretty big part of my childhood. And not many of my friends were, actually, none of my friends except for one, and he quit midway through, were in Boy Scouts. So it was kind of something I did like on the side almost that nobody really knew I was part of. Uh but I had great friends. I had a great time. I mean, I got to go to Seattle, Washington, Canada, the Bahamas, all over the place with the Boy Scouts. So it was, it was definitely a good experience.
0: What's a big thing that the Boy Scouts and the Eagle Scouts taught you about yourself or something in general?
1: Uh, Pretty much leadership was the biggest thing. I mean, I was a patrol leader. Uh, it's basically just you're in charge of a group of kids that are younger than you i mean you're only like 15 at the time 16 maybe and you're in charge of a bunch of 11 through 14 year olds so it just taught me how to deal with people how to deal with difficult people uh how to lead them and how to get a group to work together in a cohesive manner uh at a pretty young age so leadership's the biggest thing for sure that i got out of the boy scouts
0: would you say you are a natural born leader or did it take some time for you to feel comfortable being in that kind of big role?
1: I think I think for the most part, I was a natural born leader, but sometimes, sometimes I'm kind of hesitant to just like to do it, I guess. I think if I'm like thrown into a group, it kind of just happens. But like to be a patrol leader, you have to run for patrol leader. Like you have to be voted in. So I think sometimes I'm just like hesitant to just commit to things like that. Uh, But I think naturally, I'm a leader.
0: I think that's a big thing with even with school and nowadays with projects and kind of working with a bunch of people that you've never worked with and who is going to take on that role as a leader. And I always found myself to be the one that's put in charge. And I think it had to do with the confidence in a way that maybe people feel that they Can look up to that person or they know what they're doing so in that kind of role for you did it feel that you were growing as an individual where you could take that role as a leader and carry it on throughout your journey
1: oh for sure i mean everything i learned about leadership in the boy scouts i've I've used in basketball on my basketball team uh even just like in the classroom Um, and it got to a point where after I was patrol leader, I was still in Boy Scouts until I was 18. So it was like three years where I didn't really hold that many positions. Uh, I was kind of just an older scout, just kind of helping all the younger guys. Uh, and I had the experience to kind of, you know, help people that were younger than me who were in the leadership positions I had already held. And I could kind of help them along. They have questions. What was the best way to do do certain tasks, that kind of thing. Uh, and I liked that role as well because it was even even a higher up leader because then I was a leader of leaders. So I liked that too. And for sure, I mean, everything I, I learned from Boy Scouts in leadership-wise has helped me in every aspect of my life for sure.
0: Now, looking at your time playing sports, were you the type of kid that just wanted to try any sport? Obviously, you said you didn't get into soccer much but you were playing a wide variety that you wanted to be able to try everything you could.
1: Um, Yeah. So my parents, so when I was really young, my parents don't like watching soccer. And I think that's probably why I didn't play. Uh, It's not, so I didn't grow up playing soccer. I don't know. I'm not very good now either. Um, But I think as a kid, I, I tried to play whatever. I mean, I would play any kind of game. I mean, I played basketball, football. Uh, I did golf. Uh, in middle school for like a year or two um, baseball when I was really young I think my parents also got bored at baseball games because I didn't play that for very long <laughs> um, and that's really the deciding factor when I was younger they liked watching basketball they liked watching football so I played those two sports uh, and it just happened that I love basketball as well and it worked out but, um, but yeah no I definitely I'm down to try whatever, especially even as I've gotten older, uh, I have that mentality even more. I mean, I've gone skydiving now. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in for whatever the activity is. I'll I'll try it.
0: Did you ever thought tennis?
1: I play a lot of tennis. Oh, that's a good.
0: Yeah. Did you ever think that you were going to be able to keep on going with basketball even after high school? Or was it more, I have something here that I think can be something that people will look at for me.
1: Yeah. So when I was in middle school, I was pretty good on my team. Like I was a starter and then my ninth grade year, we moved over to high school and I got cut from the team. So freshman year, I didn't play basketball. Um, And I, I got tried out like three different times and didn't make it any of the times. And then my sophomore year, my friend who was a point guard on the team it's like just try out bro like what what do you have to lose i was like you're right i've already not made it three times like what's a fourth and i'd i'd also grown like six inches since my freshman year so i went from like five seven when i was in high school now i'm six four so i sprung up that helped a lot and uh i made the team my sophomore year on jv and then by junior year i was starting on varsity Uh, And I I mean, at that point, I was not thinking playing college, actually, even into my senior year, halfway through the season, I'd already enrolled at the University of Alabama, I had my roommates, they were my friends from high school, I'm still good friends with them now. They had my roommates signed up and everything paid the enrollment fee, I was looking at classes. And I, I dropped 32 points in one of my games and one of my coach, well, he's not at my college anymore. But he was when I was a freshman, he was at the game looking at a different kid on the other team and I had a really good game. I had 32 point points, and I played really well my senior season. Um, And uh, he talked to me after the game and I went on a recruiting visit and they offered me and then I got four or five more offers after that from smaller schools, uh, similar to mine. And uh, then I made the decision to kind of back out of Alabama and, and go to Birmingham Southern where I am now. And uh, best decision I've ever made for sure
0: one of those things it's like you never know who is watching you especially in sports that like you may not feel that a scout is there for you but you can play the best game ever and now you're being looked at and it surprises so many people and it's a, probably a confidence boost like whoa these places are looking at me now
1: no it's definitely a confidence boost when you hear when you because my friends were joking at first when colleges started looking at me like, damn, Bruce, Bruce plays a little bit better. Like we might not have a third roommate anymore. And I was like laughing along with them. I was like, yeah, good one. But then when you go on like some recruiting visits and you like when coaches like want you, it's definitely enticing and they're, they're good at, they're good at it. But yeah, definitely is a, an awesome feeling.
0: Growing up. Did you have any inspirations or someone that motivated you?
1: Um, yeah, my biggest motivation has always been my dad. Uh, he was in the military. He was a Marine Corps fighter pilot for 28 years. Um, he retired in 07, 08. Now he started multiple companies. Uh, he owns an executive life coaching firm and a health and wellness company. Uh, and they kind of work hand in hand with the same clients. Um, and he's always kind of been my biggest mentor and someone I've, the mo- the, the guy whose opinion matters the most uh, to me and uh luckily he has a pretty good business mind so i can bounce ideas off of him all the time and i always do um but yeah that my dad has been my the biggest uh inspiration for me especially cuz when he first retired from the military he had a normal job he worked with or for my uncle um he has a commercial real estate uh like company they buy and sell commercial office buildings and um he worked for him for a little bit and he he, I mean, he was making good money, but he just wasn't. It just wasn't for him. The timing, his his work hours and stuff weren't weren't lining up with what he wanted. Uh, so he he left and started his own thing. And I remember he was working in a small home office in our house in Hoover, and we were kind of, I mean, we weren't like poor, but we were kind of scrapping it for a, like a year or two. And uh, while well, he got it off the ground, and then it paid off. Now, I mean, now he's making plenty of money and supporting us well. So, I mean, he's definitely uh, my biggest inspiration for sure.
0: What was that dream job that you were wanting? Me? Yeah. Did you, like everyone has the, I want to be a police officer, basketball player. They have these great ideas, but what was that dream job for you?
1: When I was younger? Yeah. It was to be in the NBA. I mean, it's, it's always been in the NBA to be in the NBA uh, for longest. I don't remember when it stopped being that probably like around high school uh, when I realized I wasn't dunking in like the eighth grade. Um, but it was always NBA for me. It never really wavered. I played ba- basketball was my my favorite sport all growing up. So never never wavered from that.
0: Was there an NBA player that you tried to like mimic the style of play that they were doing?
1: Not really not. There's not like one in particular player. I mean, I'm a LeBron fan. It's hard to mimic what he does. Um, But I've always liked LeBron, but there's not really a player that I've like emulated my play style after. Um, I'm trying to kind of match one up right now, but there's not anybody that I'm like, I'm going to play like him. I kind of just do my own thing.
0: I always had that when I was playing tennis, I was an Andy Roddick fan. And I was like, trying to copy a serve, knowing me trying to copy it, the ball just flies over the fence, just did not work. But just trying to like study his gameplay and trying to see, okay, how can I replicate that on the court? But then it usually never worked because I'm not Andy Roddick and I'm not that good. But I, it's always a question that I always ask is with athletes is is they're always that player because sometimes there's like a team that they always like and they want to be kind of similar in how they play so it's always something interesting to hear people and who they liked and lebron's definitely one of those that he's just such a great person on the court and off the court that people respect him any way they can yeah So you talked about your college recruitment days and you were going to think about Alabama. Then you went to somewhere else. What was the big reasoning? You didn't go to Alabama.
1: Yeah. So basically my reasoning was if I go to Birmingham Southern and play basketball for a year and I, and I hate it, can always quit and go to Alabama, join a fraternity. I'm in a fraternity now at my school. I'm a Sigma Chi, but I could always go to Alabama join a fraternity you know and, and live that kind of not that they all party all the time but pretty much just party it would be my main focus and then school but if i go to alabama and i don't take this opportunity to go play basketball I'm, i can't go back and play basketball you can't get recruited out of college and and like get recruited out of a fraternity or anything so you only have one shot to say yes you can always flip if you hate it but you can't go back and do it and, and take that chance. So that was really my – that was my deciding factor. It was like, okay, I have to take this chance while I can. Uh, it's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity. So that, that's what really made me decide it.
0: Are both the schools different in the competitiveness in the leagues, or would you rather have been in a D1 school like Alabama that plays in a huge competitive conference compared to Birmingham Southern?
1: Well, if I went to Alabama, I would not have played basketball. So I would have rather gone to Alabama if I could play basketball there, obviously, because it's the SEC uh, and I would have played against some top talent and played nationally. But for Birmingham Southern, I think it's our our league is pretty competitive. It's uh, Sewanee, Oglethorpe, Millsaps, Rhodes College, and Memphis, Hendricks Center uh, in Barry. I think that's all of them actually. Um, there's eight teams, but it's pretty competitive. We're all, well, not, every, not all the teams that are on the same la- uh, like level, but there's like four teams this year, us and three other teams that are fighting it out for first place right now. And, uh, it's really, it's, it's going to come down to like the last week of the season. So it's pretty tooth tooth and nail. Thanks. It's saying,
0: Yeah. What's the biggest thing you've learned while playing basketball
1: there? Discipline. That's definitely the biggest thing. So when I was a freshman, I came in when I was 18. You don't have your parents here. You don't. I mean, it's just you and an alarm clock. So when you have six a.m. workouts, you got to be up in there or you're running after, you know, I mean, there's there's repercussions to your actions. And there's also direct effects from what happened. If you go to practice, the effect is you're going to win more games Your team is going to be better. You're going to be better at the game. So for me, it was just the discipline of getting up, going to practice, doing what I'm saying I'm going to do, go to going to all my classes, uh, which I struggled with at the beginning, for sure. Especially I had an 8 a.m. and that, that did not go well for my 18 year old self. Um, And it was just kind of that, that kind of discipline because I was also rushing fraternity when I was a younger uh, student, when I was a freshman So that discipline of just having a schedule and sticking to it and doing what I'm saying I'm going to do uh, was the first thing I learned uh, in college for sure. And I think basketball kind of adds that on out of necessity. I mean, if you don't go to practice, you're not going to play. Uh, You're definitely not going to win any games. So kind of learned it out
0: of necessity. Did you ever feel that you were putting too much on your plate with playing basketball school and the opportunity to join a fraternity?
1: Uh, the coaches would say, yeah, they, they were not a fond, they were not fond of the idea. They had had players in the past join fraternities and a lot of them quit. But the thing about division three sports is that a lot of players quit. Like a lot of players just quit. Cause it's, you're not here for free. It's not like you're on full ride or anything. So a lot of people quit, more people quit that are not in fraternities than are. So, and now we have me, my roommate, we have like, six or seven of the, t- of the team is in fraternities. When I got here, it was just me and another guy. So, and he was a senior and I was a freshman. So there weren't any in between us. Um, and I think it definitely has added a little bit, but you just kind of have to have a order of operations. So it, it's basketball. For me, this is my order operations, basketball school, and then the fraternity in that order. So you just kind of got to put your priorities straight and then, it's not that hard. And then just stick to that. And again, that's just the discipline of if you have a game, you don't go to the party that night, that kind of stuff, which is, again, that's hard as an 18 year old who just out of the house for the first time. But you've got to learn it. And you learn it the hard way when you go to a practice hungover a couple of times. And then you kind of stop doing it.
0: See, a lot of people would probably take your order operations and flip it in a way. They'll put the party first because it's school. College. I want to party all the time. Who cares about classes? And classes falls down to the bottom. And I think it just has a domino effect in the way where, obviously, you were there to go to school, but you also were there with a partial basketball scholarship in a way, and you were just doing the fraternity as a way to increase, I guess, create memories in a way and build a resume. I always use fraternity as a building a resume because. I was a part of one and i was just building it up um but you were trying to do you have the way that you mentioned it is like the perfect way that partying wasn't the main focus but then again i know a lot of people from my days where that was definitely their priority and it shows. it it affected them through their four years
1: no yeah for sure i mean people definitely get caught up in the parties i mean there's one every night if you want there to be you can i mean You can always find one. So it's definitely distracting.
0: That's too much. Like every night, like, come on, just for the weekend. When you were joining, and this is always a topic because it's a huge media thing with this, were you nervous about the behind the scenes of what goes on that you heard things that happen? Or was this an opportunity to kind of break that mold in a way and find out for yourself? The fraternity? Yes.
1: Um, I mean, I think so. When I was a freshman, and I rushed, I rushed my first semester of freshman year. Um, and we do fall and spring rush, but I, I just kind of did it first, first month of school. And I think I was a little nervous about, kind of like the pledging and hazing and stuff, but I don't really remember how scared I was obviously not that scared because I joined and like in my eyes I was like what really can they do that I can't handle I mean all these kids have already in so it's not like I can't handle anything they do um and that was kind of my mentality it was kind of like I have I have more ass than you have teeth like you can't make me do anything that that I can't handle so and also, we didn't really, they didn't really haze that much. I go, our school has like 1,300 people at it. So if you do something bad, it's going to get around very fast and you'll get in trouble very quickly. Uh, so you can't really – I mean, we don't really do much anyway. But it was way more fun than anything. I mean, I just had a great time, especially during Pledge Ship. I mean, you're kind of the center of attention in Pledge Ship. Like everything – I mean, you've got like events and stuff every week. you got – parties specifically for y'all and it's just it was a great time
0: during the time now with the pandemic how has your collegiate career been going and what else were you able to do to pass the time
1: so last year they kicked us out of school in March Um, I was a junior and uh, just went home and had like a four-month-long summer I worked at Domino's pizza for a few months of that. And then eventually I started the company that I'm still running today, bright mobile detailing. It's a mobile detailing business in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, And I'm still running that now Uh, it's colder now. So it's actually, it slowed down for the winter, which worked out perfectly because I'm have basketball season right now. Um, But we're going to ramp it up starting March 1st. We've already got, I've got ads already planned uh, and already paid for. So We're going to ramp it up in March, starting in March and roll into the spring, into the warm weather, full steam ahead. Um, but that's really what I spent most of my time on, uh, with the pandemic was growing that this fall classes were online all summer. I took one summer class and, um, they were half online, half in class in the fall. Um, so I had a lot of extra time, uh, I also hired one of my friends to help me do some of the details. So whatever I couldn't do, he did. Um, and he made good money. I made good money. It was a, it was a good fall. Um, and I'm going to continue to grow the business. I'm super excited for the spring. We have some, some big things going down, a lot of, uh, a lot of growth opportunities.
0: What made you pick mobile car detailing as that kind of entrepreneurial journey that you were going to go on?
1: Yeah. I was kind of lucky. Uh, so I just decided when I quit Domino's, I was at home. I was like, I haven't cleaned my car and I don't know when. And so I was like, I'll clean my car. Um, so I just got a hose is looking through my basement. I was like, we have soap. We got like, we had everything almost. So I just started cleaning it. it took me a it took me a long time because uh, I didn't have any process or anything. I was just winging it. And I watched a YouTube video and I was like, I wonder if, Somebody would like pay me around my neighborhood to like do this, and I looked up some prices and I was like, I'm just gonna lowball it. So I did fifty dollars and seventy five dollars, and then I put together like a list, like a process of how I would do it. I watched more YouTube videos to get the time down. Then I printed off a hundred flyers and I actually committed to the idea at a party. Um, I was talking to a friend about this idea. I was like, because I've started businesses before, like small ones with my friends. Uh, some of them have been profitable and just kind of fizzled out and some of them were not profitable at all. Uh, so I was talking to my friend about it. I was like, I think like I could really make some money doing this. It's not that hard. It's cheap. Like we have all the supplies. Uh, and at the party, I was on my phone and I ordered a hundred flyers on my phone while I was there. And the next day they showed up at my house. So I folded them up and I went around my, my neighbor's mailboxes and just stuffed them in the mailboxes. And out of the first hundred, I got like four or five clients. Um, So I did like two cars each for them. And that, I mean, I paid like 30 bucks for the flyers. I mean, that more than paid for uh, all of the, all of the like supplies. I didn't really pay for any. And I just rolled that money. I probably made like four or 500 bucks, rolled that money into more supplies um, and more flyers and just did it again, uh, like kind of a bigger uh, like area and just kept doing that until I had like three a day or four a day uh for a couple weeks in a row. And eventually I was like, should probably find a better marketing channel than putting flyers on people's mailboxes, more sustainable. So I started doing Facebook ads. Uh we got in, we started posting on Facebook and Instagram and using word of mouth and Facebook groups. Um, we did direct mail. We've sent out a few thousand direct mail postcards uh, and flyers. So those are those are always a good ROI. Um, this spring we've got, uh, well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of rambling on now. The original question was mobile detailing, but yeah, I just kind of happenstance fumbled on, fumbled upon it. I cleaned my own car and then I, uh, realized I could probably do this for other people.
0: This might be going off track. What are you pursuing right now in college? What's your degree?
1: I'm a marketing major.
0: So has this experience been a great kind of street smart tool in a way where you get real world experience on how to market, how to grow your brand, how to grow your business that you're utilizing what you're learning in school, or maybe you're more learning from Googling stuff. Cause I feel like I learned more from Googling than what I actually learned in college in a way. So talk yeah, about there's definitely... how you're utilizing that.
1: Yeah. So, there's definitely some like overlap from what I've learned in school and what I'm doing for my business. Um, but also what I'm learning in school is a little bit like behind some of the stuff I'm learning all out of school. Cause I mean, I read marketing books all the time, entrepreneurial books, business books, whatever uh, even like self-help and personal development. Um, and I also like listen to podcasts and read blogs and stuff. So, Sometimes the stuff I'm learning in class, like this semester, I have to put together like a social media plan and I'm a senior in college, a marketing major, and I have to put a social media plan together and I've done, I already have done that. I've done, we posted on Instagram for like five months straight now uh, with objectives and everything. So it's kind of like counterproductive to have to do that for a grade, but I was like, I'll do that, I guess. Uh, like, I don't know much I'm going to learn. Like, I've already done it, but I'm just trying to get my degree at this point. And uh, like, another thing is I had this internship lined up for the spring and I was going to do it until I started my podcast. And, and I was like, I'm going to have school basketball for a little bit. And it'll end like mid-March. Then I'll have the business ramping back up uh, and my podcast. So I did not going to have time for this internship, especially because this internship is unpaid. So I kind of just weighed my options and I pushed it into the summer and I might not even do it in the summer. I mean, the only reason I would want to do the internship is for connections and learning from the CEO. of. I, it was at a marketing firm in Birmingham. who's It seemed really cool. Like I would love to actually work. Well, I don't know if I'd want to work there, but l- at least learn from them for a little bit but I can't spend six hours a day there for free um, right now, especially Uh, as much as I wanna learn from them and connect like network with people there. uh, But I kinda just had to weigh my options and I don't think it's gonna work out, but we'll see. I
0: think that's the hardest part with internships nowadays. It's a lot of people are trying to find those paid ones because they're putting so much time and effort to be there and then they're not getting paid it's not even worth it. I remember I did an internship with a baseball team in my town and I'm spending 12 hours there and I'm getting nothing. And I had to make money somehow because I had to pay for gas to get there. So I'd have to work at a grocery store one day. And I'm like, is it worth Is this internship worth it? And after looking at it years later, I don't even know if it was worth my time because nothing has gotten out of it. So I think what you were doing is analyzing. It was the right decision because you're looking at what's best for you. What's been the biggest challenge running your company for yourself as you are one person doing it all, but now you have been able to expand to another employee, but what's been the biggest challenge for you?
1: Yeah. Hmm. So really the business kind of grew itself at the beginning. Like it was very profitable and, uh, kind of just like compounded on itself. People talked, I didn't put out that many ads. I was spending maybe $5 a day on Facebook ads. Uh, and I was getting a cup, like one, at least every couple of days. Um, eventually I raised my prices to 60 and 90 and we just recently raised them again to 75 and 100. Um, just for the basic detail and we also added on some premium services which that's an exciting growth opportunity for us uh some way higher ticket items uh, we just got licensed to do to install so that's exciting but the it really wasn't that difficult and i've said this on other podcasts i've been on i think anybody can start a small business especially if you find a business where you can control your margins. Like I didn't put, so the only money I put in was that $25 for those 100 flyers at the beginning. And ever since then, I've been profitable. I mean, I, we've never spent more money in ads than we've had in the bank. Uh, every time I spend ads, I make money. So, and, and all the marketing we do is very controlled. I can turn it off and on with a, with a flip of a switch. The only one I can't is we're going to be in this local newspaper called Village Living. Um, and it's is another guy who offered me an internship, owns a bunch of local newspapers around Birmingham. Each of them are about 15,000 uh, people. And uh, I talked to him about doing ads in their, in their books because a lot of them are in our target neighborhoods. And they were like, let's do three papers for six months. Uh, and it ended up being like seven grand. And I was like, I, I can't commit to seven grand that's more than we've spent in any marketing ever um i can't do that and he came back with okay what if we test out one paper for three months and see how it goes and i can afford that so that's only a couple cars a month to pay for that and i think we can do that pretty easily and that's with just the basic detail if we don't do any higher ticket items um so that's that's the only thing i can't just turn off i'm on a three-month contract with them Uh, but I think it's very reasonable. I mean, I did three like last week uh, just like on a limited detailing schedule. I'm only doing cars like once a week and I'm still doing like three on that day. And I put out no ads. I'm just doing people who texted me like past customers. Um, So the most difficult thing, I can't really maybe finding or like kind of planning out how we're going to get to past $100,000, which that was the most difficult thing that we've done. But I think I've I think I've think done it. I, I mean, I think we're going to pass $100,000 by September is the day that I picked. Uh, I did out the numbers. I'm pretty sure we're going to... I mean, we're definitely going to crush $100,000 in the whole year. But September is when we should hit $100,000. And that was a little harder to do the numbers for... Before we added the premium services, but now that we've added those on, I think it may, it made it much easier. I mean, I can see us doing 150,000 maybe this year. Uh, that would be that would be awesome if we could do that. Um, but what we'll, we'll have to see.
0: It's good to hear that you don't have any challenges right now, as you're able to solve <laughs> anything that happens quickly without make, having it be a huge issue. And I think kind because of, the business, as you're saying it, it doesn't sound like there's much obstacles in a way, as you're finding your marketing at a good rate and you're able to have the services available. Where are you? do? You, are you renting out a facility or are you doing it all at home? Do people bring the cars to you or is there potential opportunity to be able to do it at a facility in the future?
1: Yeah. So right now we're hundred percent mobile. So we go to them, we go to their houses um, and do it at their house in their driveway. Um, That's how we've always done it. We have over 150 clients now and we've had zero complaints about having to come to their house. Um, But it is also another growth opportunity for us to, we have a, I have a, a trailer, uh, I'm going to get a water tank, generator, uh, power uh, uh, like pump to put the water into the power uh, washer. Um, but we're going to basically go 100% mobile where we don't need any faucets or power outlets. Um, and that'll allow us to go to office buildings, apartment buildings, places we haven't been able to go before. Um, as far as opening up like a shop, I haven't thought that far. Well, I have thought about it, but I haven't thought about us doing that because I see the value in being a hundred percent mobile as one of our big selling points. I mean, we, you don't have to take any time out of your day to bring the car to us. We'll do, you will come to you. You just leave the keys in it. We'll get it done and you can do whatever work and go grocery shopping or, you know, you don't even have to be at the house. It doesn't matter. We're not going to have to move the car most likely. So it'll just, You'll to wake up and it'll be done. So that's that's what I see as a big value uh, proposition for us. So I don't see us moving into uh, a shop, but I mean, maybe I do. Maybe I crunch some numbers later down the line and an opportunity shows up. But as of right now, I don't. I don't think we're gonna move to a shop.
0: How has the support been with your family on your entrepreneurial journey? Are they excited about the growth that you are having? Or are they kind of worried that maybe it's a lot on your plate right now? What is their mindset with everything that's happening?
1: Yeah. So my family's really supportive. I mean, they know me, they know I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I've started a bunch of little companies um, and they're super happy. I mean, my, my dad is always calling me and I'm telling him about what's going on and he I'm bouncing ideas off of him about, you know, different, marketing channels and offers I can give and that kind of stuff. Um, My mom's probably the only one with kind of not reservations. She is all like, she's all for me starting my own company and running it, but I don't want to work. I don't want to work like a nine to five ever. And she says like, she's like, why don't you just get one right out of college just to get like some health insurance and, you know, benefits to just start off. Uh, And you can always do it on the side. And uh, that's just her, you know, like motherly instinct, trying to, uh, you know, cover my ass from he- health concerns and that kind of stuff, just like a safety net. But uh, she's all for me starting my own business and and being self sufficient and successful. So they're all supportive. My sisters as well.
0: Is the goal after college is to work? this job full time and not do the nine to five like your mom wanted you to do.
1: Absolutely. So in March, when we start, when basketball ends and this, uh, my, com- my marketing picks back up, I'm going to be full time. I mean, I'm going to be in school as well, but I'm going to be full time in the business, trying to get a consistent revenue stream coming in before school ends in May. Uh, and then hopefully by May we have, I mean, that's March, April like two and a half months to get, I mean, as many customers as possible. I'll have a ton of free time um, and uh, hopefully get some systems in place before we get into the summer. And then in the summer, it'll be, I don't have anything. I'll be graduated. Uh, It'll be full steam ahead, just grinding.
0: What was the opportunity? What made you want to start a podcast? What brought you and what's the mission that you were trying to convey to the listeners?
1: Yeah. So I started it pretty much 100% for networking. So I want to talk to successful people who have started businesses and learn from their mistakes, their successes. Uh, And it also gives me an hour one-on-one with someone who probably wouldn't give me the time of day. Otherwise, if I didn't have a podcast, Um, I mean, I've already talked to, we just uploaded episode 14 today and uh, I've already talked to... I mean, multiple millionaires that I've never met in person, but I only met online and they were just, just the coolest guys. Um, they're just more than willing to talk to you if you just reach out, um, which I found is super cool. And these are guys that could just, I mean, they got a bit, they're busy guys. They could do whatever they want. Uh, and they chose to talk to me for an hour, which was super cool. And it's happened multiple times. And then I meet some people and they introduced me to their friends and then, eventually I'm talking to, you know, like Jeff Lopes. I don't know if you know him, but he's a Canadian entrepreneur. He owns Camaro Wear, which is a global brand. Uh, Paul Gitter is the marketing, uh, marketing guy for Grant Cardone, Ty Lopez, those people. So I've talked to some amazing people, especially for it only being like a month and a half in. So the networking opportunity of a podcast is, is amazing. And, uh, that's pretty much all I started it for, and it's going well. I mean, it snowballs so fast, and it gives me something to offer them in exchange for them talking to me. And then for the listeners, it's they get to hear me kind of dig into their entrepreneurial journey, find out kind of how they did it, uh, what their path looked like, uh, what were some struggles they took, and then get some advice for up and coming entrepreneurs, what they would say before they get started, that kind of thing. So, It's going, it's going really well uh, and I'm having fun doing it.
0: Is there a memorable message or something that a guest has said that has resonated with you?
1: A message that one guest has said.
0: You asked the tough questions here.
1: Yeah, that's, that is a tough one. So my first interview I ever did was with my dad. Um, And because he's an entrepreneur as well, uh, he was episode three, I think. And he said, and I don't know if this is the most memorable, but it's just the first thing that came to mind. So he said, anybody can be an entrepreneur, but not everybody should be an entrepreneur. It's, uh, It's really your ability to handle risk is the deciding factor, whether you, you can handle it or not. Um, if you are someone who worries about your next paycheck or your living, uh, kind of quality of living, if you can't handle kind of biting the bullet and living really frugally for a while, you might not want to become an entrepreneur, start a company, um, because it's not always going to blow up immediately and make you a ton of money. And most of the time it doesn't. Um, and I think that that's kind of the, the first thing that I, and a lot of people have said the same or similar things that I've talked to other entrepreneurs. Uh, it's pretty much just how much risk you can handle um, for an extended period of time until you succeed. Cause it's just a matter of time. I mean, if you, if you work hard, if you outwork people, Uh, and that's probably the second thing I was about to quote another person that I had on my podcast, but he said, uh, there's always going to be somebody who's smarter than you has more money than you, uh, you name it. But there's one thing you can control is your work ethic. And there's no one that can outwork you every day unless you let them. So it's one thing that you can control. You can't control how much money people have, how much free time they have, uh, how, how smart you are. Uh, but you can't control how hard you work. So those two things are probably the first two things that come to
0: mind. I think that's a great quote. As I, with my show, each guest, I try to learn something from what they talk about. And every interview, even if I'm not on the same path with them, you can still take the same concept and utilize it in your life. And that whole message from what you just said with work ethic has been such a huge thing for me because If I'm passionate about something, my work ethic is at a whole time high. And I think that's how I've been able to get the guests that I've gotten is because they can feel the passion just from a text box that I'm sending them or an email. And then when you actually have that on, well, obviously video chat with them, they can see the passion that we have. And I can tell from your story that you're passionate about the things that you're doing right now, and nothing's going to stop you until you reach your goals. And then you're going to come up with new goals and go f- even higher. So it's exciting at the age where you're at, all that you're doing. And you're showing people, especially with Shark Tank, how that every age level is shown there that if you can dream it, you can do it.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. There's no age limit to, to succeeding for sure.
0: Is there anything that you would have done differently in your journey right now? Is there something that you would have changed or are you happy with the path that you're going right now?
1: I'm definitely happy with where I'm going and where I am. Um, If I were going to change something, I probably would have started my company at the beginning of the summer and not worked at Domino's. Uh, for like three months. I mean, I remember going into clocking at Domino's and just hating it. I mean, at the beginning, the people were fine. I honestly liked the people I worked with, but the, just the monotony of the job, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And I just listen to podcasts or listen. I mean, there's only so much I can do while driving around in my car for hours and hours. So I just remember going and just thinking like I cannot do this all summer like and at the beginning I was like I cannot sit at home all summer and then I started doing dominoes and then after a couple months of that I was like I can't do this anymore Uh, and then I started my company so I wish I would have just started the company at the beginning of the summer but I'm okay with where I'm at for sure Uh, better late than never.
0: Was Domino's the only option at that time, or with everything that's been going on in the world, that it was based there was nothing else there to do?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So we got kicked out of school. Uh, It was the week of spring break. So spring break got canceled, and uh, basically just got home, sat at home for like two or three days. And I was like, I gotta, I can't do this anymore. And the only place that was open to work was Domino's because it was an essential uh, workplace cause there's food. Uh, and it was all to go pretty much. So they were still pretty busy. So they were hiring and I just snatched up the first job. I called them cause one of my friends worked at a different Domino's. I got a job at a different Domino's and he was like, yeah, I mean, I just drive around for a few hours, make some money and come home. It's all cash. I was like, okay, uh, I'm in. So I just called my local Domino's, like totally different store. And was like, Hey, are y'all hiring? And he's like, yeah, come in. We'll, well, you can work. I was like, great. And that was pretty much how it worked. I mean, that, it happened in like a day. I was working the next day. So uh, it was pretty much all I, I looked into. Many, most places were closed or not hiring. Uh, but I just sn- kind of snatched up the first job I found.
0: What was that final breaking point that made you be like, I, I'm just done with this?
1: Yeah. I'm trying to remember if there was like a one breaking point. I know I was preparing to quit for like a couple of weeks and I just never really did. So at the beginning of the summer, I was working like every day cause I was, I wanted money and I didn't have anything to do. None of my friends were going out. Everyone was on lockdown. So I was like, I just work every day. So I worked every day for like six hours a day late into the night, uh, got home, went to bed, woke up late in the day and did it again. Um, and that was kind of my routine. And I just got it burnt out. And then eventually I was just working like a couple of days a week, like for a few hours. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm not even like making that much money. I'm just doing it because it's like I don't want to quit. Uh and eventually I think, oh, all the college kids. So there was like some more college kids working with me that had came home for the summer and were looking for jobs, and they all started to quit because they were going back to school. And I was like, "Yeah, y'all, y'all are right. It's, it's time." And we all kind of just dipped at the same time. We left, and uh, that was kind of the deciding moment. It was, it was like mid July, late July, I think.
0: Wow. Yeah, because I, I know some people that have worked for like Domino's, and they just get burnt out because they were working every day. And I think it's one of those times where it, it was an opportunity. Every the everyone's path you do something for a reasoning, And I think probably you were meant to be there, but you knew that you weren't going to be there long-term. It was just getting everything figured out and then making that transition over to the car detailing business. Yeah.
1: And the car detailing is so much better. I mean, I made way more money car detailing and it was on my schedule and I worked for less hours. So, I mean, just so much better.
0: That's the dream. Make money, work less hours. Oh, yeah. So what does the future look like for you personally and professionally? We kind of talked about it with your company, but what are you hoping to accomplish in the next couple of years?
1: Yeah, so for the company wise, uh, I talked about some premium services. Basically, what we added on was uh, paint correction, um, which can run anywhere from $500 to $1,000, and then ceramic coatings were a licensed installer of ceramic coatings by a company called Owner's Pride um, and those start at $1000 so um, with those pre- and then we have a pa- we have a new package deal uh, it's called our Platinum program and basically it's a wash paint correction ceramic coating and then a monthly maintenance program on top of that all in a bundle um, and that's what I'm going to be pushing big this spring uh, is our platinum package. So with all that, that's why I think we can reach 100,000 by September fairly reasonably, um, and I think that can really propel us to to do big things this next year. Um, there's no, I, I'm going to need to work a little bit. Maybe like after the first month or two, I'll know a better projection because uh, I haven't sold any platinum packages yet. Uh, I know of a company who has uh, a mentor of mine owns a mobile detailing company and he has a similar package uh, and he's selling a lot of them. So I know that the demand is there, um, but I just haven't done it yet. So it's hard for me to kind of project it and feel comfortable projecting a number. Um, but I think we can hit a hundred thousand dollars easily by this year. Uh, and hopefully by September. Um, as far as a couple of years down the road, I could see myself growing this, uh, hiring more and more employees, maybe hiring a manager, and then going to another city and starting another another franchise of it. Uh, maybe just franchising the whole the whole thing and having somebody else start it. Uh, I would sell the company probably if I got a good offer. I mean, there's a lot of different options it could go because I don't. I'm mean, it's so young in the in the business's journey, I don't really know uh, where the future take is going to take me, but I can see myself selling it. If I get a great offer and then starting another company, that's more of uh, more of my passion. Cause I mean, detailing cars is not a passion of mine. I like the business. It makes me money. And uh, I don't, I like the feeling of a clean car, but it's not like my passion to be a, a detailer. Uh, I'm more, more passionate about being, a successful entrepreneur than anything. Um, past that, I'm going to use as much money as I can saved up. I'm going to get into real estate as quickly as I can. Um, preferably multi-family, real estate, like apartment buildings. So that's kind of where I see myself going in the future, in the near future, uh, hopefully before 25 is my goal. And then from there, you know, I... That's as far as I'm going. I don't like, I can't think, I can't think 10 years down the road. I'm going to think, you know, closer to five. And then once I get there, hopefully it's sooner, then I'll think another five or 10, but that's where I see myself going.
0: It's hard to think that far ahead because during like this time right now, we all didn't know this was going to happen and our whole lives were going to change. So, I think it's everyone's taking it like a year at a time before they make any big, but I was, as you were talking about your comedy, I'm like, he's gonna franchise this. Like I'm already like picturing like that model happening. And then when you said, I'm like, okay, I, I think that would, I think it would work so well because it's, there's not much investment unless it's like the equipment aspect, but it's an easy, someone could take it, put it in a different city and replicate it like you're doing right now. So it's exciting. Sure. I'm excited to see. I'm I'll be watching to see if you're hitting that goal by September. And if you make it before I'd be, I'm impressed. I mean, because it like we talked about earlier, it goes back to the work ethic and the the grind that you're on to make it happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, uh, that'd be awesome. If we hit it before September, I'm ch- our platinum Package is, is 2500 I just need 40 people to do that to hit hundred thousand so I
0: have see. are people willing to spend that much for their cars knowing me I would not spend endless I, but then again everyone uses it as transportation but is that a lot for someone to pay
1: so that that's like the premium top of the line cream of the crop package i mean you're not buying you're not buying that unless you spent 40 fifty thousand on your car probably or more um but if you i mean imagine i mean if you have a porsche or a i mean even a nice mercedes or even i mean if you want to go higher ferrari whatever uh i think you you could budget out to 2500 for look making your car look pristine and we throw a ceramic coating on it which is lasts five years. Uh, and it, it's hydrophobic and I mean, it, it's glossy and protects it from UV rays. and it, uh, chemical stains, bird poop, tar, anything really. And, uh, makes washing it easier. Uh, it also preserves the value of the car. So the car stays more expensive, um, which is what, com- what people want from with their expensive cars, uh, they don't want them to depreciate. So I think, With especially with how we frame the program, I think that'll help too. But that's definitely for our higher end customers. But also, I only need to find 40 of them in all of Birmingham. And we, I mean, we have like 500,000 people here. Um, So if I can find 40 high end car owners, I think I can, can do that. Honestly, I didn't Google that beforehand, but that makes me feel a lot more confident actually that I only need 40. And that's with our highest, highest end we have lower end pricing also. So uh, that's with just our higher end stuff.
0: The final question I'll ask you based on your journey and experience for someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is just start like whatever you, are thinking about doing if it's starting a podcast a business uh picking up a new hobby sport whatever it is just dive in and i think for me i kind of like flip a switch like i'm like okay like now I, I do this like i'm a i podcast now so whatever i have to do to, do, to get it done i do it uh, i wake up early in the mornings now and i get work done in the mornings um which i didn't used to do um Really, it's about showing up. If you show up for enough days in a row with a uh, objective in mind, it's just a matter of time until you reach your goals. Uh, like I don't really have a a doubt in my mind that I'm going to reach $100,000 in this next year. Mostly because I've crunched the numbers and they're very plausible. But also, I'm just going to work until I get there. So it's just kind of a work ethic kind of thing where you just dive in head first, and then you just show up every day and do it and get it done. Unless, Because I think a lot of people get caught up in the planning. They're like, I don't, can I do this? What could go wrong? Uh, what's the best outcome? What if I do this instead? What if I do this instead? And then they just never do anything. Uh, and you, this can happen a lot on social media. You can see the next new craze, you know, uh, there's a new stocks that you could get into all the time. There's Options, you can go learn to do options and make money that way. Uh, social media, marketing agency, start one of those. Like There's always a new flashy way to make money. And you can get caught up in it if you are just not fully invested in something. Um, but I would say whatever you're passionate about or whatever you're most interested in, just dive in full, full, full steam ahead don't know reservations, just do it. And you'll figure it out on the way. Even if you have no idea what you're doing. I had no idea what I was doing when I started a podcast. I still don't do it well, um, but I do it well enough. So that's really all that matters is just doing it well enough and you'll figure it out on the way. I mean, I didn't know the best way to start a detailing business. I just started detailing cars and then people started talking about it. And then I got more customers and then it just snowballs and you figure it out as you go. So I would say the first thing is just start, just do whatever you want to do tomorrow.
0: I think that's one of those things nowadays. There's so many ways you can learn about how to do something that if you're always saying, well, I don't know where to start or how to do this. We all have the tools. It's basically the internet. And yes, the internet will give you 20,000 different ways, but you can at least take some of those and try to incorporate them in a way and that's the best way right now is this is the time to find what you want to do or something that you have always had a goal of doing and just do it i think it's the perfect time and why wait so yeah yeah
1: life is short
0: yes yeah i agree i want to thank you so much bruce for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge we're excited to see what the future looks like for you And we're inspired by your entrepreneurial journey that you have accomplished so far.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. I I like talking and I like talking about the business.
0: Tune in for my next guest. Talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel for the full length episode of video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.